it feels like there's like no storylines to talk about this week. I don't even know what we're going to do. Yeah. We'll figure something out. <laughs> yeah. Um, I still think if Dr. Bob calls a, uh, a pass to a lineman, I will never respect a human more than if he does that. That would be a special play, right? Not, not <laughs> it a would trick be play. a special play, not a trick play. Everyone, to the CatsCorner.com podcast, CatsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CatsCorner.com, coming to you live from the palatial Franklin States in the West End of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, September the 21st. Virginia is coming off of a come-from-behind 16-14 to victory over Old Dominion on Saturday, which we will no doubt be discussing. And then the Cavaliers will open up uh, conference play on Friday night. Um, up in Syracuse uh, against the Orange in a game that you know, look. We're gonna have to talk. We're gonna have to talk about the Doctor Bob in the room. Okay. Um, before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. First in uh, Fishersville, um, board moderator du jour, David Spence is back on the podcast. How's it going, my friend? Why am I blinking? I don't know. Who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter. That's the deep cut for you guys, man. That's that was a deep cut because I'm sitting there going, I, I honestly I didn't know if that I was. I might like, say too deep, too deep. <laughs> for anybody to actually get it. You'll get it if UVA wins on Friday night. Yeah, you will trust me. All right, uh, in uh, Charlottesville, editor in chief Justin Ferber is also back on the program. How's it going, my dude? I'm gonna do this now. Um, I just thought about this, but I'm gonna do it now because I don't know how the game's gonna go on Friday, but. I'm uh, excited for uh, oh, wow. a great Here it game, is. and uh, it's a hundred percent on us. And I don't, I don't know anything about uh, crystal balls. And uh, if it goes wrong, I'll see you in the portal at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. <laughs> now that was impressive. Uh, Cavs corner also under Cavs underscore corner. Great place for the in-game updates, the content item, and the occasional Woody banter. All right, we need to we need to talk about ODU first. And it was a, a, a game that I think did not go the way any of us thought. Um, again, Virginia escapes 16 to 14. It's weird to say that like they escaped, but like that's like in some ways true. And yet at the same time, it's, it, it really was like a Rorschach test. Like this whole game was like if it basically anybody could see any narrative they wanted. Right. Um, the offense looked like it got back to balance a little bit. UVA put up 513 yards of total offense, 284 through the air, 229 on the ground. Much improved on third down, as you would hope they would be, um, and given the circumstances and such. Seven for 16 on third, one for one on fourth. Um, Cavaliers, I thought, looked pretty decent defensively um, in the sense that when they needed stops, they got them. Um, Old Dominion was four of 15 on third, one for two on fourth down. Um they only turned it over the one time, um, though Virginia wasn't able to score uh, anything off of it. Uh, overall, Dave, 
now that you've had a few days to sort of let that one um, marinate, so to speak, um, how, how do you feel looking back on Saturday afternoon? Yeah, we always talk about going back to rewatch the games. This one was weird. Like, so watching the game live and after the game ended, you know, there were points during the game where I felt like ODU had no chance, despite Virginia kind of shooting themselves in the foot. The defense game day, you know, felt absolutely like they were just showing up, dominating. ODU couldn't get things together. Yet they were at the end of the game trailing and needing a miracle. Um, you know, and when we went to when it went to do the rewatch, it was kind of the exact well, I wouldn't say exact opposite, but it was very opposite. Like you realize like man, Virginia moved the ball all over the field and just kept shooting themselves in the foot. And then, you know, the defense did a good job containing ODU. Um, on the rewatch, it kind of is ODU. I think it was ODU's first drive. They went for it on fourth and da- fourth down and two from like the 20. Um, and Virginia stopped them. Like in retrospect, the field goal there probably would have done them some good um, if the rest of the game had played out like it did. But look, I think the defense played well. Um, they held ODU for most of the most of the game um, into half stuff, into the game stuff. Notwithstanding, like you know, the defense got pressure and tackled well, covered pretty well. Um, look, they only gave up 14 points. It, the timing of it wasn't great because it required a comeback. But you should beat most Power Five teams giving up, you know, most uh, FBS teams giving up 15, uh, 14 points. So defensively thought they were solid um and offensively i was encouraged by the rewatch like the run game you know moved the ball pretty well still going to have issues with the young offensive line kind of learning to play together but they're getting more experience um and then i thought i thought we started to see glimpses of you know brennan and the wide receivers figuring it out now opponent quality you know it's got to be factored in but they they struggled in the second half against Richmond, and I thought at times they moved the ball well. So if, if you're someone who is a pessimist about this offense, you found some stuff to make your argument, and if you're an optimist, it was there too. Yeah. Ferber, I feel like in some ways, you know, the idea that they had to come back will, will leave a bad taste in some people's mouths. You're typically a pretty reasonable person, and you don't necessarily get caught up in the emotion of it all. As you look back on this, do you feel, uh, I don't know, better about things after the way Saturday went? Because me I, me personally, I kind of think that sometimes it's a, it's good. I don't care who you're playing or whatever. It's sometimes it's good to, like, do something together, like have, like, a, a thing that you had to, you know, the, this was not a situation where the defense had to bail them out because the offense wasn't scoring any points. The offense had to do something with it um, in a tight spot, and, you know, they came through, and I don't care who you play that sort of execution and getting that thing done that has a t- that has a possibility at least a potential to to forge a little bit of an identity how do you feel about saturday coming out of it yeah the end of the game thing i think um some of the credit for that probably has to go to the preparation just because um the coaching staff did talk in the in the days leading up to the game and then again afterwards about how they had done some 2 minute drills during the week going into the ODU game and the offense had won those drills or at least one of them i think it was like wednesday thursday whenever it was um and i'm sure that was kind of encouraging for them going into that last drive because they're like we just did this the other day against a better defense probably and you know went down and scored so you know they kind of went right into the same situation and went and did it and aided by a nice special teams play as well i guess we should say from starling but um 
overall, like I think what Dave said is right. I think in the stadium, we were all kind of looking around like, man, this is bad. Like they have 13 points at this point. Like what is going on? Then I went home and looked at the, at the box score to do the take two, uh, you know, like Saturday night, Sunday morning. And I was like, Oh, well they moved the ball even better than I realized. And, had a lot of success and there were more drives in the red zone than I realized and all that stuff. And then you kind of, and then I went back and rewatched it and and I was encouraged by how the offense looked throughout the game, except for those plays that were obviously critical um, in keeping them off the scoreboard. So, yeah, I think it's, I think it's true. You can kind of see whatever you want to see from this. Um, there's certainly a lot to work on regardless of how they move the ball. I mean, they have to finish drives, even the ones that they didn't turn the ball over. I mean, they left some points on the table by just settling for field goals and stuff like that. And they need to clean that up. Um, and there's, you know, there's still some like clunkiness out there for sure. Um, but I thought that they moved the ball pretty well. I liked the scheme. I thought that the coaches seemed to, to learn something from the loss at, at uh, Illinois and, and kind of worked around their offensive line a little bit more with some runs outside the hashes and, um, getting the ball out a little quicker and, and, you know, the offensive line is still a mystery going into the Syracuse game just because the ODU didn't really like come after them much. And, and they sat in zone a lot. Um, and that's just how they play defense. So, I mean, they just didn't break tendency for this one game, but we'll see what Syracuse does. But yeah, I mean, I was encouraged by how they moved the ball. I mean, you still scored 16 points, like regardless of how you get there, that's the end result and that's not good enough, but it seems like the players kind of like acknowledged after this game that like they just left a lot of points out there on the table. And if you saw the thing I wrote this week, I think it was as up upwards of 40 something points that they could have scored. Um, if you just look at each situation individually. Um, and even if they got like 14 of those points, the game would have been well in hand, you know, before the end of the game. And um, they certainly have to improve that. But, and I also want to say like, they turned the ball over some and they had some empty possessions, but those situations aren't all created equal. Like I'm, I don't want to say like, I'm glad they fumbled, but like I'd rather have those kind of turnovers go your way or go against you in a game like this, where you're trying to learn and grow and you still won than have Brennan like look terrible and throw a bunch of picks. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's symptomatic of a different kind of problem. Fumbles are, and there's certainly like some execution and technique that they can work on, but like, you know, people that are into the advanced metrics know that fumbles are, are considered sort of lucky or unlucky, depending on how they go. And UVA put three on the ground and, and lost all of them. And that's kind of, and two of them were inside the ODU five. So, I mean, that's pretty, pretty damn unlucky. Um, and they certainly need to clean those up and not put the ball on the ground to be in a position to be unlucky. But I'm not as discouraged as like, like people that look, scroll through the ESPN app and saw the score were probably like, damn, UVA is terrible. And watching the game back, I, I, did, I certainly didn't get that impression. Um, but, I mean, they they certainly could have lost. I mean, I think I'm pretty sure that, you know, we, when we talked about this last week, one of the things, we, you know, that is a pretty, you know, sort of universal truth about these types of games is that the more you let the team who is, like, upset-minded hang around, the more they start to believe, the harder it is, I think, especially when things aren't going well, for the, the favorite the favorite team here, right? The the odds on favorite to to win the game, right? And at some point in there, to reverse that sort of mojo, you have to there you have to make some plays. And I think this last drive is so emblematic of that, right? So um, Starling gets that kickoff at the at the goal line, and you know I asked 
Tony Elliott after the game, you know, was this, was that a plan? Um, you know, did he, did he do, did he sort of go out on his own? Like he certainly could have let it go. Cause he, he took he it like have. two yards deep in the end. He, he, yeah, for sure. But he definitely had that body language. Like, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm going to return this. I, I thought in the moment, you know, with, um, you know, considering sort of, um, what the game situation was and stuff that it made a lot of sense for them to bring it out. Yeah. Um, but he I thought he was going to score for a second there. He 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 you know it, it was one of those plays you're like oh that's why Biscuit went and got that kid because that kid is fast. Give, I'll give him that. Uh, but he he hit that scene. He hit that thing pretty good. Um, he probably was like one decent block away from really popping it. Um, of course, then you'd be worried that they scored too fast. But anyway, well well then after that, it's first and ten at the thirty-seven. Brennan goes incomplete to 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 Keaton right. Second and ten. At the 37, and that's when they get the 30-yard pass to Lavelle. And then they get a 13-yard run from Brennan to move it to the 33. And, I mean, they still got plenty of time at that point. Um, that was even before they got the pass interference, which I will say, I, I thought these refs really let a lot of stuff go, um, probably both ways, if I'm being honest. Um, but certainly there were a lot of pl- times where I thought poor Dontavian Wicks was getting mugged. But for them to sort of turn it on, be able to do what they did, set this thing up, kick the field goal, especially considering, you know, Farrell had missed one earlier. I mean, hell, when the when the drive started, I was curious, like, okay, well, you know, are they going to go with with Will? Like, because I, I, you know, I, it kind of feels like maybe that was something that was coming. Um, and now the kids are specialists of the week. Um, but it's just, I, I think it is sort of, um, I think it's it, it's good to keep in mind that. Yeah, like from a from a totality standpoint, this is not the game Virginia wanted to put out there. The offense was, you know, had continued to to struggle to to be consistent, right? To put points on the board, not just yards. But it was good to see him put yards on the board, right? And I think that as the offense, you know, we've we've heard a lot in recent weeks about the changes in the offense and what that's meant for the players and what that's meant for the staff and stuff. And Ferber, I want you to chime in on this because I, I don't know, you watched a lot of film. I feel like what we saw from Virginia last year was a whole lot of like, not necessarily these are the specific plays, but there was a lot of like, freelancing is not the right word, um, planned chaos in the sense that like when things went awry, they they sort of immediately all were on the same page as to how we're going to deal with that chaos. Whereas this feels, this offense feels much more like, something that a pro a pro team would run where you actually have real routes that they expect you to be on this on the spot for and there is no wiggle room right for either the quarterback or the receiver like the the trains need to run on time and what the transition I mean I've heard Brennan say like that he's going to be a better quarterback because he's played in the system you know it prepares him better for the next level what do you get the sense the differences um, because it definitely felt like to me in parts of that second half, like Virginia was kind of being a little bit more like its old self. That they're, they're like they put that there was that one play that Keaton goes in motion and sort of opened up one side of the field, um, and that felt you know that it felt like something I might have seen last year versus you know most of the season so far. And I'm just curious how you would sort of compare what Virginia's like sort of goals are from a route concept and for the way that those things fit together versus what we saw last year. Yeah. I mean, like there's, there's definitely some similarities anyway. I mean, like the, 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 this staff, they're not like, 
I think sometimes the way people talk about it is like they switch to the triple or something like <laughs> that, you know, the route, the route combinations and things might be a little different, but routes are, are routes. Like, you know, you go where you go, you get, you get to your spot. Um, I think like from a quarterback standpoint, that's where it's more different. Um, and then like the receivers just having faith in like being in the right spot and making the catch and all that stuff. But I think last year, the, the big difference was, um, you know, especially against zone looks, they could make a lot of pre-snap decisions on those quick throws. Um, it was a lot of like window dressing to set you up in a regular play um, or a play that a lot of teams run, but it was a lot of like pre-snap stuff to just, I mean, if nothing else, you're kind of reading the defense or maybe you can create a mismatch because the defense can't react quick enough. That's smart football. Um, but that, you know, this is more like we're going to line up and we're going to run the play. And if the quarterback does executes the play and the blocking is there and the receiver catches the ball, then it's even harder to stop because a lot of it is just like, they're just executing, you know, it's not, it's not like stuff that you can work on in the week um, necessarily. And um, yeah, I mean, I think they definitely tried to get a little bit more horizontal in this game just because it makes sense. I mean, if you're worried about the offensive line then then get out of the middle of the field, you know, run stretch plays, get out in space, um, get Keaton the ball on a jet sweep every once in a while. I know he got one of those, um, you know, they didn't have Billy Kemp. So that kind of limits your ability to do some of the short stuff, but um, I don't want to sit here and say like, Oh, they went back to like what they were doing before. Um, because I don't think that's what's happening, but like, I, I think that they, they just need to be smart about like, don't try to like square peg around whole situation with this, like, and um, just worry so much about like going like vertical down the field. And I think that's where, like, when you hear like Tony Elliott talk about Brennan freelancing, I think that was more of a new thing last year um, because like the offense was so like predicated for a long time on like short passes, like stuff that's pre-snap decisions, you know, jets, things like that, that are predetermined. They didn't run a lot of read option, like real read option stuff. Like we've talked about, it's more like dressed up to look like it. Um, but you know, now it's more like kind of like a more sophisticated offense. I would say, even though the results haven't, you know, lent itself to that, but, um, I would say like, last year they kind of changed it up a little bit because, you know, for a while it was like Bryce Perkins. It was like, he would read like half the field. And then if it was like one or two guys weren't there, he'd run. And then Brendan, they kind of did that for a while with some other stuff mixed in, getting the ball out quick, um, more like whole field stuff. And then I think when they started to have more confidence in Brennan and more confidence in the offensive line, they would run a lot of the quick stuff, but then they'd run these like basically scramble drill plays. And I think that's what Tony Elliott's talking about. They had a lot of success on those last year, like making plays down the field when like things broke down and he would just kind of sit back there and sit back there and sit back there. And he had the protection to do that. He doesn't have that protection this year. And, and that those sorts of plays are um, kind of like boom and bust. And, and they hit a lot of them last year because they had a good quarterback and good receivers, but, I think what they're trying to do now is like, and I wrote this is they have gone the the route of instead of like trying to make the offense more like what Robert and I did to get through this year, you know, with Brennan and, and try to like, maybe like make things a little bit more smooth for this year and then kind of have to reboot next year. They're just like, let's rip the bandaid off. Now we're going to run our stuff. We have a smart quarterback that can make plays. We have good receivers. Like they're going to learn it and they're going to figure it out whether they do that yet or is yet to be determined. Like we'll see if they, if they pick it up and um, we've seen offenses in the past kind of start off clunky and then get better and defenses do the same. So 
it's a it's a matter of time i think before we we see that but i got uh, after watching the odu game i am a little bit more confident that like by game 10 even if maybe they're not like reeling off a bunch of wins because the schedule's going to get harder i think we're going to see a more cohesive offense where it's like and the conversation will be more about like it kind of clicked into place we're more comfortable than we were early in the season right now i think guys are out there thinking too much um because they're just like not confident in what they're doing and they're still like well we used to do it this way and i think like with time those things will heal but I, you know at the, at what cost like how many games are you going to lose while you learn right dave you you're you're also a a student of the game so to speak um offensively what you saw in this game did you have any sort of flashbacks to last year or was that more coincidental just because of some of the fact that it just worked i mean yeah i mean the flashbacks were the ball was moving um but yeah it's i mean justin nailed a lot of it i, I think the thing where I hesitate to say out loud, but will, because that's why we're here um, is I think Brennan's a much better passer against zone defense. And, you know, it's easier, especially when you have a pocket, like he had at times, you know, most of the year last year with an experienced offensive line, um, you think, Hey, we want guys to cover our guys in man because they'll win every battle. But if you think about the big plays last year, a lot of that zone, think about that big, that big play to Davis at the end of this week, that was zone coverage. Um, you know, I think Brennan's just more comfortable with that. You know, Justin touched on it. You know, a lot of what last year's offense did was, you know, window dressing. But that window dressing helped Brennan realize what defense was being played. You know, if you're sending three guys, move three guys around, and they shift, you can tell if they're a man. You can tell if they're in zone. You can do the same in the current offense, but it's a little more nuanced to it. Um, during that often mentioned Chad Morris wormhole. There's little things a quarterback's looking like looking at to tell, hey, is that linebacker covering that running back or is he sitting in a zone there? Little things like the way their foot's pointing, the way they're leaning. Um, Inside leverage and outside yeah. leverage on certain routes and things like that. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that takes a little more time to kind of to read stuff Brennan will need to be able to do at the next level. Um, but, you know, last year's offense kind of helped hide that for you. And then with last year's offense, I think the goal was to get you in zone on most plays, but also sometimes to get you in man and overload one side. So the safety, so it was man, but with no safety help over top this year, we're getting a lot when they are, you know, like Illinois played man with the safety over top, you know, deep safety over top the whole game. Um, and that's where the balance comes in with this offense. And I think that's why you saw him move the ball better through the air. UVA was able to move the ball on the ground, you know, over 200 yards of rushing again. You can't sit two safeties back if they're running the ball and the team is committed to doing it. So that's why I'm okay with them sticking with this because I can't – look, you, you can't just switch it up. Um, Dr. Bob's offense is unique. And, and like we said – I think I said it last week, Dr. Bob's offense changed every year too. It changes to the personnel. And I think with a young offensive line um, and – you know, and of course, you know, it, it makes sense to kind of protect them by running and throwing the ball. So I'm fine with it. And I think we saw, we saw improvements from Illinois to, to ODU. Um, hopefully we'll see a similar improvement from ODU to Syracuse because, you know, if they simply didn't turn the ball over and put 38, 35, even 30, you know, 28 points on the board versus, versus 16, I don't think it feels as bad as it was. And ultimately, 
that's what matters, the, the points, but they were there. It's not like they were turning the ball over at the 50. I mean, they were deep right. In, right. into ODU territory. Right. I think the other thing to me, too, was the use of the tight end in this game. Um, now, part well, they of ran was, like three receiver sets more and, and with two right. tight ends and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I think that, you know, obviously some of that was by necessity because Billy Kemp was in the hospital the night before and um, dehydrated from a stomach illness and stuff. And so he, at least as of the last time, you know, we heard was not going to be able to play Friday night simply because he had not been cleared. Um, you know, but going into the stadium, you know, hearing hearing the the, the rumblings about uh, him being out, I was curious how they were going to sort of um, answer that question. And I, I mean, I think what they came up with was, you know, and they didn't have a whole lot of time um, to do this, but I think what they, they did was, was exactly what this offense is needed. Um, I think it helped them in a variety of different ways. I also think that, and I, listen, I'm not trying to, to say, um, this is not like an algro to the McCabe kid, you know, you're, you're done or whatever. Right. But man, I think this offense is a lot better when Paris Jones and, and, uh, Xavier Brown are your running backs, which is not a thing I expected to say. Um, Hollins is a very talented player and I don't want to make it sound like I don't think that cause I do, but I think what I've seen from the way the offense looks when, when the various guys are in, um, Brown just seems like a different type of guy. They haven't used the running back in the passing game as much as I expected, um, like anywhere close, but even still, I think that between Jones and, and Brown, I think Brown has to become a better blocker and he's got to be able to, to pick up the blitz. That's one thing that, you know, I think Hollins can do. Um, the question of course is, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to, you don't want to be, you don't want to essentially chip the, um, the defense off to what's coming. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't know. There, there are some questions that I have about, um, different positions and, you know, once, once Kemp's back, for example, are they going to tr- go back to trying to do a lot of four wide stuff? Or are they going to try to settle back into using the tight end more? Cause I do think that that worked for a variety of different reasons. Um, defensively, look, I, I had no doubt that Virginia was going to, was going to show well in this game in large part because I, having watched old Dominion's offense, they, you know, the Monarchs just didn't scare me. The Jennings kid is good. Don't get me wrong. He had seven catches in this game, 97 yards and a touchdown. He was really good, you know, but I mean, when, when you don't have to worry about the other team's quarterback moving much, um, that does change things. And I thought Virginia was good at bringing pressure in this game. I thought they, you know, they made big plays when they needed to. Um, yeah, I, I, overall, this was the kind of defensive performance I wanted to see. It would have felt a lot different. I mean, I was actually thinking about this the other day in the, in the truck. Like, imagine a scenario where, Old Dominion gets the ball in the fourth quarter, you know, needs to score, um, and they go down and, and they're not able to, right? Um, you know, imagine imagine it's a, you know, it's 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 not uh, the Coons kid catching an 18-yard touchdown, but Virginia gets the stop. We would feel differently about not only, like, I think we'd be more, like, we'd be more, like, championing the defense, so to speak, and at the same time, we would still have these unanswered questions about the offense, but I think defensively, they showed me enough so far this season to think that, like, I think this defense has done exactly what we all kind of wanted them to do, which is, like, take some steps forward, and they didn't have to take too many steps forward to be pretty decent, right? Um, they just need to be consistent, and I feel like what we've seen from them so far this season has been consistent. They were much better getting after the quarterback in this game. I'm curious what they'll what they'll do Friday night uh, in the Dome. Um, but certainly, 
for a group that needed to improve, this defense has done that, and they've carried this thing for, for a good part of the season. Um, what happened in that fourth quarter and, and ODU getting that touchdown and going ahead, I don't think for me it doesn't change a whole lot. Dave, for you, does that change much in terms of what you the way you view this defense Because because of the, the way that the ODU game ended? No, I mean, look, the defense, you know, if they, it'd be great if they shut them out, but, you know, like I said, 14 points is, that's plenty, you know, that's fine. You did your job. 14 points in most games last year would, would have been a really good season for Virginia, um, you know, overall. But, yeah, I mean, I like the defense. I think, uh, not, not to sound too too hard on the former staff, but they just look competent, you know, they're they're talking even when they make a mistake there's no like pointing and everything else um they're tackling well they're usually in position there's usually more than one guy there to tackle um and to me like they're starting to get pressure they're starting to do more like you know line games and stuff but they're still kind of playing vanilla so um i think there's more to come from the defense as they kind of get deeper into the playbook and guys get more comfortable i think there's a lot of blitz look they they run a lot of formations. There's a lot of blitzes that could come out of there that we've seen hints of, but haven't seen kind of pulled out. So now as the conference schedule is coming, it'll be interesting to see how that translates. But, you know, we're also getting into, you know, the downside to conference games is guys who've, you know, you're playing against coaches who've seen you, you know, outside of Syracuse, everyone that we're playing has played us recently. They've got film, unlike most of your out of conference things. So, they know your weaknesses a little better than your out-of-conference teams do. So it'll be some self-scouting, but I like where they are. Um, so far, you know, I think Camper was out most of the game. I don't remember if he played at all on Saturday. Um, he played early, but then he was he was out for most of it. Gotcha. So, yeah, I mean, obviously. And I thought Chico, for the record, I think he stepped in and did a fantastic job. Yeah, Chico played well. I mean, um, Perry played well when he was in there. I didn't see him much um, of a Curie, but. Maybe I just missed them. But yeah, I mean, I thought overall the defense played well. And even the, you know, even the penalty at the end that extended it, you know, on rewatch, I was mad at Anthony Johnson at the time. I was like, man, why don't you act like there's wrong? But no, he straight up tackled the dude because he was burned. So he gave the defense a chance to yeah, fight a few say, more, that's, more that's, plays. That was my thought too, is that he he did in the moment I was like, you didn't need to do that. And then watch it and I was like, Yeah, you need to do that. Uh, yeah, yeah, live it looked looked to me like it was gonna be like uncatchable but there's no right. way for him to know that in the moment like you yeah. know without like watching the ball for 10 seconds like, yeah, there's exactly. no way you know um, i think it's important to, to to remember that virginia turned the ball over like four times was that two or three 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 fumbles and you know held them to 14 points that's pretty good um it's not like virginia played a clean game and the defense held them to 14 you know virginia virginia gave them the ball back three times and without scoring themselves and and the defense held him. So, yeah, I mean, I don't see how you can be anywhere but positive for the defense. You know, they're yeah, not agreed. nationally elite, but they're what we talked about needing, you know, at the end of last season, you know, we're, you know, that little period before all hell broke loose. Um, you know, we, we talked at nauseum about if this defense was only average. Um, yeah. What it would I think be if fair. anything, they're above average. I think um, we're going to find out. I yeah, mean, I was going to say this is the I, test, I, right? I feel we, confident enough in what we've seen to to think that they are definitely improved, um, and I think that they can handle themselves against like the the mediocre ish offense that is that UVA is going to play. My question is, what do you do when you face something? And we're we're going to find out. I'm not saying they're going to be bad, but like 
I'm very interested to see how this game goes because you have a running quarterback. You have the probably the best offensive player that they've played against in the running back, Tucker. Um, a group of receivers that's that's fine. Like I don't think they're like special, but they're not worse than what you've played. Um, and an offense that might go tempo sometimes. You know, a lot of quarterback runs. You have to deal with that. That'll be interesting to me how they deal with an offense that can actually get out and like do some stuff because Illinois, like no disrespect to Illinois, but they're very transparent with what they're trying to do. And it's right. the easier part of the game to stop usually, right. which is like a pro style running game. Yeah. One so thing we'll I see. Think- and then we'll see how they do against like the later in the schedule against like the Carolinas of the world that can like really put pressure on the secondary. One thing I was going to, I was going to say that the one thing I think that Dr. Bob is pretty good at is he's pretty good at leveraging you to, to pick your poison. Right. And I think typically he does this, you know, we've seen him do this with, you know, specific wideouts, right? Like you weren't going to be able to stop X and Y if you if you also weren't going to if you also didn't have an answer, you know, for like Jelani Woods, right? Like he's pretty good at leveraging you to a place where you sort of have to pick your poison and something's going to be available. And over the years, you know, we've seen when he's had talent that they've been pretty good at being able to make hay out of that. Um, in this one, it's interesting because it's like it's very foreign to me to think of a Dr. Bob offense where one of those players is the running back. Right. And in fairness to, you know, in, in fairness to everybody UVA seen so far this season, nobody has been able to put as much pressure on the defense as I think Syracuse can because of that sort of duality, right. That their, their offense is, is, is kind of cooking and, and in part because, you know, they do have that leverage. I, I think what has been surprising to me about, and, and we'll put a bow on ODU here, you know, the play of Lex Long, the play of jo- of Jonas Sanker, the play of, um, you know, even, I mean, heck, even, you know, Cypress at the other corner. Like, I feel like Anthony Johnson's a known commodity. But if you think about the starters on that defense and the guys who are getting a lot of the snaps now, right, regardless of whether or not they start, they start. Like a lot of these dudes are not necessarily guys that that you just know you can count on. And quickly, you know, Long has become a dude who I just don't expect him to miss a tackle. Um, Sanker has become a dude that I just expect is going to be around the ball at all times. Um, you know, Long had nine tackles in this game, two solo. He had one TFL. He also had two pass breakups. I mean, that's a hell of a line, man. Um, and I don't care wh- what year you are, you know, how much experience you've got. That's a nice game, you know. And so they're going to have to have some some performances like that. The, the Perry kid to get thrown out there a couple of days before and switch positions and to, to you know to impact the game and make some plays. Um, you know Bennett to be called on because um, Camper wasn't able to go as much or whatever. Um, you know to know that they you know they had to they had they had to make some plays in this game and I, and I think that they've they've kind of a they've kind of adapted or adopted a, a mentality of hey we can do this we can carry you and. You know, from most of the season, they've done just that, right? Other than, I mean, really, the the that fourth quarter touchdown to ODU is really the only spot where you just look at it and you go, yeah, that was one spot where they they really needed to come through and weren't able to. Otherwise, they've they've answered the call, man, and that's not something I've been able to say about a Virginia defense in in quite a while. Um, all right, real quick before we move over to the Syracuse matchup and the inevitable Doctor Bob discussion to come. Um, I want to talk real quick about home field. Obviously, they they dropped some new merchandise for for UVA folks last week. Matter of fact, Ferber wore some to the game 
on Saturday. Um, Ferber, what was your your experience with the with the new merch? It's the softest shirt I own, Brad. Is it really? One hundred percent. I'm not even. I'm not even like stumping here. No, yeah, that's nice. I like that. Um, so it's a vintage look. Obviously, this is what these folks do. It's a they they go back. They find the um, you know they find the old designs from back in the day. They dig through yearbooks and all this fun stuff. Anyway, they they find the stuff. They get it officially licensed. Finally, they were able to get some of this these marks uh, officially licensed from UVA. Um, if you go to uh, homefieldapparel.com, you can actually use the promo code Caps Corner for fifteen percent off of your first purchase. My um, thanks to Homefield and everything for everything they do. All right, um, Syracuse under the lights. What is the name of the dome? We're not supposed to call it the Carrier Dome anymore. What's it technically called now? They might remember off the top of your head. The JMA Wireless Dome. So in the Carrier Dome, um, <laughs> I'm not going to call it whatever that you whatever Ferber just said. Like I'm, I'm too old for this. Like it's the Carrier Dome. But anyway, so it's an interesting matchup. Um, are we, Dave? Are we too like simplistic to focus on the Doctor Bob of it all, um, or should or should we just you know should we just concede that that is essentially the matchup that matters the most in this game i mean it's hard not to be the dr bob show and god like am i the only one really ready to just get this over with <laughs> yeah, um, i'm getting ready to say I, I definitely feel that way <laughs> yeah i mean can you think like if you look at our schedule it now feels like the syracuse game is more of a robbery than the louisville game that's been our rival since you know, since this whole crossover thing started. Um, and, you know, if you'd have looked at this game, you know, when we looked at this game a couple of years ago, I can't think about caring about this game, like God, Syracuse, whatever, just a game. It's just the randomness of it all. It just adds to it. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It shouldn't be, I mean, it should be about you know, Virginia moving forward, but um, you know, the Syracuse people think seem to think that uh, at least the ones I've listened to this week, seem to think that, you know, the Virginia players are going to be happy to see Dr. Bob and, and Jason Beck um, have no beef for you, Beck. Um, we'll see. Like, like my hope is that the team is uh, properly motivated to um, to show that they're fine. You know, you left, that's fine. Uh, no one, just for the record, if anyone forgot, you know, Dr. Bob quit way before. Yeah, O'Neilly I mean, me. this goes, Okay. I, I also, he's give, not going to keep Dr. Bob as his offensive coordinator. No, no, he wasn't. No, but it's not like no. Bob sat around to find out, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's going. true. And yeah. and and clearly, you know, he, Bob wasn't doing much to help the program at that point. Anyway, but listen, I, I, I think I want to get this part out of the way, which is I think we can separate the sort of like um, – I got ready to say the Dr. Bob of it all again. Um, I think we can separate sort of – What about Bob? The, stop the, the the feelings of it all versus sort of the reality right and i i think that we've talked at, at length about some of the the sort of like weird vibes so to speak among the fan base and i think part of that is because you know as we talked about you know a lot of folks were happy with bronco and his regime and folks were sort of you know looking forward to seeing what they could do in with another year and then it all went to to crap but Ultimately, like I think the thing we got to keep in mind here is that like not only did Bronco quit, but then Dr. Bob quit. He, it's not like he was you know pining to be the offensive coordinator. No, though you know realistically he wasn't going to be. You know he was you know he was a guy who was looking out for himself, and that's fine. That's just you know I'm not I'm not going to knock a coach for doing that, but I'm also not going to like you know these folks who want to like build a statue and all this fun stuff. The guy was super successful while he was here. 
and then he decided to go somewhere else. And now, now back is a different story because I think, you know, I, I think a lot of the success personally that is attached to, to an eye is in large part because of Beck. I think he's really good at what he does. And I think what he's done there in a short time, I think that makes a lot of sense considering sort of what the impact he had on, on Armstrong and Perkins and on uh, Ben Kirk and stuff. But realistically, like the Dr. Bob of this whole thing is much more about sort of understanding someone and that familiarity. And then this weirdness of, you know, it's early in the season. So it doesn't feel like, like they've barely really been gone that long. And now you're watching them coaching another team in the ACC who wears orange and blue and having a lot of success, right? I, I don't think that by any stretch this off that their offense is like a juggernaut, but they're they're definitely putting some some really good stuff out there and they will mess you up if you're not if you're not like assignment sound. And I think that's a that's the biggest that's the biggest challenge to me, Ferber, is UVA cannot go into this game um, take away, don't worry about all the emotion, all that nonsense. I mean, just from a execution standpoint, right? Like they've got to execute in this game because that is one thing I think that, that this Syracuse offense will make you pay if you make mistakes. Um, because they, they, that's, it's essentially predicated on just waiting for you to make the mistake so that they can capitalize, right? They're not going to like, wow you, like you said, their receiving course is okay. They're, they're not, you know, the Tucker kid is obviously extremely good, but really it's about like, what, can you consistently stop the run? Right? Can you consistently do that when you also have to fend with the passing game and stuff like that? In in terms of the matchup itself, how do you feel about UVA's defense in this thing? I mean, it's going to sound dumb, but it's like, don't forget about Sean Tucker. <laughs> I think that's a big part of it. I think with the Illinois game, there was so much focus on Chase Brown and the running game. It was like, that's what we got to stop. I don't think they can throw, you know, Stop the run. You got a chance. This game, I'm a little concerned that they're going to be so worried about, like, what the quarterback can do with his legs and, like, getting the ball out into space that they're going to forget that Sean Tucker is, like, maybe the best running back in the league. Um, and he hasn't maybe been as explosive or dynamic as he can be so far this season. I know he's made some plays in the past game, but, you know, as long as runs 13 yards, you don't want this to be the week that he breaks out. Um yeah, but I mean, I think it's going to be assignments. I think you're right. I think, uh, especially if they do read stuff with the quarterback and the running back, I mean, that's you have to be in the right gaps. And we saw a little bit of an issue with that against Richmond, and mm-hmm. they seem to have fixed it, but they haven't faced anything like this yet. Um, even against ODU, like ODU would do those like delayed handoffs and reads and stuff, but they gave no respect to the quarterback running the ball. They basically dared him to keep it, and he never did. Um, and that's probably why they let him do that because <laughs> they knew he wasn't going to keep it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be assignment sound. And then the big thing is like on both sides of the ball is just like the little things like turnovers and stuff like that. Like I went back and looked at what Syracuse has done to this point, And you're right. Like their offense is definitely capable and like they could certainly have a big game on Friday night. Um, but they haven't maybe been as like explosive as like their scores indicate. Um you know, like they had three points at halftime against Purdue. They had, I think, nine points in the fourth quarter. And then they Purdue gifted two minutes left in the third. Yeah. yeah. And then Purdue gifted them like a pick six to a defensive lineman. Um, and all of a sudden they were up 10. You know, it's like, and then, you know, they fought back. I mean, I'm not trying to take anything away from them, but I think like if you look at the score, it's like, oh man, they were lighting it up on the scoreboard. And it's like, not until the end. Um, 
and Louisville game kind of the same where it was kind of like fits and starts and Louisville had like three turnovers and um, stuff like that. And then they played a terrible UConn team. Um, so, I mean, if UVA's defense can come out and get stops and keep the game, I don't know. What would you guys say like a score would have to be for UVA to win like Syracuse, like less than 24 points? Maybe mm, like I'd say 20, 28 or less. 20s. Yeah, I mean, like and UVA would have to have a game on offense that they haven't had. Like, yeah, you know, but I it's mean, possible. I mean, that you're in the you're in a dome. Like, yeah, they've had it. They scored 34 against Richmond. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, I mean, like, it I think they're really gonna... poetic if you think about it. Like, if they if they actually broke out with Doctor Bob on the other sideline, you know. Yeah, and I think like they have like that. That's the thing about this offense that I will say, and I'm not trying to sound too optimistic, but you have to remember like they do have the players to break out. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's a good point. Like, I mean, it's not, it's not like the, you know, we saw like a lot of bad offenses, you know, like going back to Full like alert. some of London's teams and, and, and beyond like right. teams that like had a ceiling, you know, they were going to get to maybe 28 points on a really good day. Um, maybe like 35, if like everything went right and the defense made some plays um, this offense, like if things clicked in the passing game, you know, Syracuse would be in for a long day, you know, potentially if, if UVA just started throwing the ball over, because like Purdue's quarterback threw for like 400 and something yards. And he's good. But I mean, like it's, it's there if they can just make it happen. But against the offense and Syracuse's offense, I think it's going to be about trying to force a mistake or two into potential points for the offense and things like that. And, um, doing well in these quick change situations that they've had a little bit of trouble in, you know, like end of the half stuff and out of turnovers and things like that. So I think that stuff is going to be huge. Cause I think this game is like, you know, Syracuse is rightly favored as they are given how the two teams have played. But like, I don't think they're like that far ahead of UVA from like a talent standpoint. It's just about execution. You know, right. it's like they, if they UVA can execute at Syracuse's level, they can beat them. I kind of think too going into this game, the fact that it's on the road, I, I don't want to make a too big a deal of it, but the but the dome piece, the turf piece, um, I, I I'm I'm really curious to see how the team responds. Right, uh, I mentioned earlier that like having a game go the way that one went on Saturday can have an impact on your team, and you sort of have to wait and see how things happen thereafter to know like if it really stuck. Right. Um, but it can galvanize you, right? It can it can really bring you together. And I think from a um, big picture standpoint, you you need to see Virginia go on the road and do something, right? It can't all just happen at home. Um, this is a great challenge. Um, certainly the fact that it's a short week changes the calculus a touch. Um, the fact that it is, you know, a Friday night game, you know, it can't. it's impossible for that not to change a, a little bit of the way you know, we're all, I mean, they're all humans, right? Like they, you know, they, they're not unaware of the storylines and stuff. Um, I'm curious, you know, in, ta in, in sort of like, listen, the way that Tony and folks have talked about it, I'm curious to see if the way he's playing this will, you know, at, we'll look back on that as a positive. Cause he's, he's kind of taking the, the stance of like, Hey, let's not make too big a deal of this, right. Than it needs to be. And what do you guys think of that? Is that the right tone to take? You know, should he be more, you know, at least publicly, at least, um, you know, deferential to the, to the whole thing. Should he be more dismissive? Do you think this is the right tone, Dave? I, I don't know if there's a right way or wrong way. You know, you know, if you win, it doesn't matter how you did it. If you lose, it doesn't matter how you did it. Um, you know, um, 
But well, no, Dave. If 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 Syracuse puts fifty on them, I think there's going to be there's going to be a lot about the the way. Yeah, but it. I don't think what Tony said leading up to it is going to change. Oh, but like, okay. well, if you'd have told me, coach, you know, if you'd told me, coach, it was real a big deal. I would not be upset if we gave up fifty. Um, I think you know the people look. This team wants to win. You know, it, it doesn't matter. You know, if Bob or Beck weren't there, and this this team was what they are. Um, you know, the guys are going to be just as motivated. Brennan didn't come back to go six and six, right? Um, so, you know, say what you want about what happened to Illinois. This is a fresh start. This is the first conference game. And we know, you know, if you can win a conference game on the road, it's like a one and a half to two wins because um, most teams struggle on the road. Um, so, yeah, I don't – I think he's been fine with it. And if anything, it's probably a chance, you know, if there's any kind of, you know, uh, what's Lack the Lack of buy-in. Yeah, lack of buy-in. If there is a lack of buy-in so far, this is a chance I think to kind of galvanize the team. You know, you know we're you know we're your guys now. You're, you're our guys now. Let's go punch them in the mouth. And Especially I don't think if it the needs offense to be said in the works. Like, oh yeah, because then it's like a C. Like we're doing stuff against like a real team. Like yeah, and there's a there is this little like thing in the back of my head that I know how much more this offense has and we haven't seen it. And I'm just wondering if they're waiting for conference play to really get deep into the playbook. Um, so we shall see on Friday, I guess. I mean, personally, I, I I don't disagree with that. My counterpoint is to say like, well, could they have found a little bit more of the playbook to put out there? You know? Yeah. Or, I mean, we, yeah. <laughs> execute be, a little bit Illinois, higher level. The quarterback. Yeah. Half time against you know. Illinois, they're like, we're waiting for Syracuse. <laughs> don't worry, guys. It's going to be fine in a few weeks. No, I, bet, <laughs> I I think there's some, you know, and, and certainly from the, you know, a coaching staff who's getting a team prepared, you know, they're, they're not, they're just really, there's 0% chance that the coaching staff's going to like throw the team out there first game. Like, let's just, you know, throw it all, throw it all out there. Right. Um, I, I do wonder, you know, the idea of like, you know, we know how much more potential they have is I don't know how much longer. Te- I mean, maybe, you know, maybe it ends up being a season long thing, but I just don't know how much longer teams can really keep them down like that. That throw to Lavelle Davis, like in late in the game, I, I'm curious if it'll be a little bit of a of a launch point for him because they haven't really attacked the middle of the field too much. And you and. A lot of, you know, Tony was, I thought this was really interesting. Basically, he and Dez both were like, look, we just came out there to start. We just want to let Brennan take some shots, get loose. Yeah, I like that. I, it was I like, you know, too. we're not, we're not going to like, go, we're not going to like try to like nickel and dime to you. Like, we think we can beat them over the top, even if it didn't work against Illinois. Like, we're not going to change that. And yeah. it should have worked. I mean, like one of them was dropped, contested, and the other one was a bad throw and could have, you know, maybe a touchdown if he delivers it. Did anybody else feel like, and I, I don't mean to go back to the ODU section of the show, but um, as we look forward, like I, I, I feel like somewhere in that second half, Brennan kind of found himself a little bit in terms of his his delivery, like from a like a, from a mechanic standpoint. Like he had that one throw in the first half where he really stepped into it, it was a and he fired that thing in there, and he and and I thought that like in the second half, it just he he felt he looked like he was throwing the ball more like the Brennan I expected to see this season, more like the Brennan we saw last year where, you know, the, the where the elbow was, you know what I'm saying? Like he, he definitely has yeah. a lot of different deliveries. So I'm not saying like, like he doesn't have sometimes where he does a little sidearm thing and stuff, depending on what, you know, what the throw is and where the defender is and all the fun stuff. But I just thought that like in the second half, he, he looked more like himself. The ball looked like it was coming out, you know, more smoothly, if that makes sense. 
Um, I'm just curious if, if as, as this thing unfolds Friday night, if that's something that he can use as a little bit of a launch point. I still think they need to move him around. I think they still need to continue to do what they've done with the running backs. Um, you know, the pitch and the and that kind of stuff, I think, was is it really important. The the little speed option keeper he had was maybe one of the best plays of the game. It was. It was like it really third was. and 18 or whatever, and they converted it. I'm still curious if that was really supposed to be a keeper. Um, I mean, they I ran that like stuff the in play. practice over and, and over and yeah. over. Yeah, I, think it, I think it was. But I think the it defense was. like blew. Like it couldn't be anything but a keeper because the defense blew it up on the backside. Um, yeah, I think it was just it was an option. And he kept, in he, just kept it, he just did a little ball fake, you know. Yeah. So, all right, you guys want to get into some predictions? Do you have anything else to say on the on the matter? No, just. <laughs> just want I will just, I'll just, just say like before how we much get, I'm looking forward to this game being over. Yeah, before we get into the predictions, like I mean, this game can kind of like it doesn't have to swing your season one way or the other, but it really could. It really could. Like, I agree with you. It could be a game where like they come out and they look flat and they fall behind seventeen nothing, and guys are pointing at each other and like they don't feel good about what they're doing, and then it kind of just becomes Illinois again. Um, and then it's like, okay, like they have two wins against, I don't want to say bad teams, but you know, teams that aren't at their level and the other two Virginia games Tech look like com- a win against one of those. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And then, and then like in the other two games, you look completely outclassed against teams that are probably average. Like, I mean, Syracuse is better than I think people realized, but, um, you know what I mean? And if they goes the other way and then you come out and win, I think Dave, you were the one that compared it at one point to like. Again, I don't want to like set people up for a disappointment, but the Boise State game yeah, well, in 2017. My, my prediction. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think like that. I don't think that that game didn't necessarily like set that team up to be like way better than they already were, but it did give the fans a lot of confidence. I it think that they the could noise for a little while. <laughs> yeah, and it was like you know it it set them up as like okay, they stole one on the road, and then they had some winnable games after that. Um, so just for the record, Ferber is saying that. Virginia's going to come out there Friday night and just absolutely paste Syracuse. Yeah, that's first, not, that is not what I'm saying. That's what you heard you here first. In I heard them. I heard that. I heard that. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I think, uh, I think it has the potential to swing. Like if you go out and win this game with all the other stuff added to it, in addition to it being an ACC opener on the road against a three and O team in a primetime spot, um, you could maybe get this team to kind of like, play a little bit more like loose and i think that's what they really need and i I said that on after the game on saturday i was like what this team needs this week is like i don't want to say like get rid of tough coaching but just like make them feel comfortable like let them have they need to have fun i think that's part of the problem like with the odu game is like they were executing but it didn't feel like they were like enjoying themselves because like they just kept turning the ball over and stuff and then those things like start to you know the quicksand speech from the replacements um it's kind of like that, I think, but hopefully they can <laughs> they can get it right for this one. All right, in the preseason, Dave, you had Virginia winning this thing, thirty eight twenty seven. Is that enough points? Um, look, I'm not changing my prediction. I, I've gone. I started the week saying I'm. A, I'm. A, I think it's going to be a close game, and I'm going to pick Syracuse to win. But Doctor Bomb is kind of. I realize, you know. I've never picked Virginia Tech to win the rivalry game in the history of the podcast. Regardless, you know they could have had Michael Vick and everyone else trot out there and pick in Virginia. Um, 
So, yeah, kind of made the decision this week. I wasn't going to give Dr. Bob the pleasure of predicting his team beat ours. Give Dr. Bob the pleasure. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, no, I'm keeping it. And it's like a lot of his fandom, but also, like, I've heard some things, I've seen some things, I've watched a lot of film. Syracuse is not Alabama. Syracuse is not Clemson. Syracuse is Syracuse. They're just a better version of what Syracuse has been. And like they don't, they've got talent, but they don't have depth. Um, and they've got talent in important pieces, but they also are a team who's not used to winning. And in a week like this, where I think, you know, they got scared, you know, the Purdue game was pretty big on their schedule. I can tell you from listening to Dino's press conference, um, I don't think there's their media is very focused on this game and he didn't seem very focused on this game. And that's look, look, that's just window dressing. I get it, but it just kind of builds to my narrative that if there's a team fit to let have a letdown Friday night, I think it's that orange and blue team and not ours. Um, our guys, maybe if they'd have come out and just pasted ODU, um, I would have been a little more concerned. I thought the offense moved the ball. Well, I think look, Syracuse is, very good offensively. Um, I would say I would kind of equate them. I think you mentioned it, Brad, like the the Bryce Perkins, you know, look at your receiver and, you know, look at one half the field mm-hmm. and run. That's kind of what they run. Um, I mean, literally, if you go watch Syracuse, there's plays where Schrader, you know, he look, he stares at his primary receiver and he either gets sacked if that guy's covered or he takes off running. Um, and if Virginia can see that and, you know, kind of, and keep that in check and keep Tucker in check, which will be a challenge. No doubt. No doubt about it. Um, but I also know who's calling their plays. And I know how, how quickly he likes to get away from that running back being a runner. Um, maybe this game he gives them 50 carries just to kind of give UVA fans a big the middle finger. But also think in that option game, Schrader likes to keep the ball. So anytime you can get a hit on the quarterback, that could be a net positive for your team. Um so I'm looking for big things. I'm looking for Brennan and the offense to show up, and I'm going to keep the score the same, 38-27. I think it'll be a tight game. Virginia scores, takes the league, gets the turnover, um, pulls away, and I'm very happy to watch football Saturday. <laughs> Changes the whole complexion of your weekend. Ferber, in the preseason, you had UVA winning this thing 27-24. Is that enough points? I had Syracuse winning this game. Uh, you did, and that is my mistake. 27-24 Syracuse. Yeah, I'll stick with that. Um, I could see this kind of going a lot of different ways. I mean, I think that it's it's we're not far enough removed from the Illinois game for me to not remember that that happened. Like, you know, go do it against somebody that isn't Richmond or ODU, and I think that they eventually will. I don't know if it'll be this week or against Duke or whoever, but I think they will. I just I want to see it to believe that they're going to have some, like, amazing offensive performance but like i said before the potential is there like if, if things click and if they can block you know they can get going in the passing game then all of a sudden xavier brown's chunking yards you know like he right. did on saturday and i think that there's a recipe there um i'm interested to see how uva's defense holds up like i said against a, a more potent offense like make the tackles Get the guys to the ground. Don't miss assignments. Be in the right gaps. That's a big part of it. In the passing game, like no disrespect to Schrader or his receivers, but I think UVA can hold their own. Um, you just can't give up the big ones, and that's kind of what hurt them against Illinois um, on the two touchdowns they gave up. They were both aided or scored on big big plays, I think mostly to tight ends. But 
Um, yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting game. I mean, I feel like I say this every week, but if there's ever a game where UVA needs to get off to a good start, it's this one. Like, get, loosen up your team, get some points on the board, take a lead, maybe make get it to two scores if you can, um, and then make maybe maybe make the other offensive coordinator press and and start to throw the ball more, which is maybe not the strength of their team. Um, I think their quarterback was like 13 of something like kind of like Armstrong, Illinois stats um, in their win against Purdue. Um, but then he had the touchdowns obviously. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that works out, but I think that's kind of the game plan. I think it's, it works the other way too. If you get behind by like 10 or 14 early guys start looking around like this isn't working and like, he's going to hang 50 <laughs> on us and all that stuff. And I think it can kind of go South. Um, and then Syracuse gets some confidence, but I think we'll know by halftime kind of like what game, what kind of game we're in for, um, whether it's going to be a four quarter game or maybe not. But, um, and like I said, I could also see a situation where it's like Syracuse is three and oh, but maybe Louisville's not very good and maybe Purdue's not very good and, and had a bad turnover at the wrong time. And UVA is maybe like figuring stuff out and are better than they've looked and they can kind of like come together and win this game. And I, I, like, like Dave said, they're not we can't sit here and act like Syracuse is unbeatable. Like they, they are certainly playing better than I thought they would, but um, you know, like we know the players that they have, like it's, it's, they're good players, but they're not unbeatable players and they're not Clemson, like Tony Elliott Clemson teams. Right. right. So right. I'm going to stick with my pick of Syracuse winning. It's just kind of like a pick with my head. I think they're the better team playing better at, at the right time. And they're at home. Um, and so, and a short week and all that. So I'm going to go with them, but man, this would be a great game to win. I don't really know what else to say about it, but um, yeah. And then maybe we can put all this. I mean, like, I really just don't want to talk. It's not like I care about Dr. Bob. I just don't care. Like, let's just move on. You know what I mean? Right. Like all that, that stuff's in the past. Um, All right. So I just, you know, earlier uh, as Dave was starting to talk, I scoured the AP top 25 and you know who I didn't find Syracuse. They have and some boats. Now, they did. They got seven whole votes. They were the third fewest team receiving votes behind, excuse me, in front of Wisconsin at four and LSU at six. Now, I, I say that to illustrate, like, I feel like some people are talking about this matchup like, you know, like they are, you know, one of those, you know, Bama, Clemson sort of teams, right? This is not Ohio State, right? Um, what I find really interesting about all this is that, like, I think for fans, there's this, like, you know, it's it was stuff we've talked about before, right? This, like, deep-seated, like, you know, Lucy in the football situation, right? Where it's, like, the worst the worst thing that can happen is always the thing that's going to happen. And having Dr. Bob go up there and hang 50 on him, I mean, like, I that has been, like, the worry, you know, whatever. But, I mean, I don't think the facts of the situation really bear that out. Now, that's not to say that Virginia can't go up there and Syracuse put 50 on them. Obviously, that could happen. But the chances that it does are pretty remote in my estimation. And I kind of think as I look at this game that what we have not seen from Virginia has been, one, a, a good start from the, from the beginning, right? Two, consistency over a half, let alone a full game um, offensively. You know, defensively, I think what I've seen from the defense has shown me that this is a, this is a team that um, – more often than not, will get you stops, right? They're not going to give up a, a, a huge amount of big plays. Um, that's not to say that, that Tucker's not going to pick up some yards on the ground. I'm sure he will. Uh, and that's not going to say that Syracuse isn't going to put up points. I just feel like defensively, this the, they've changed 
the calculus a little bit. So really all you need is the offense to, to sort of be even remotely close to who we think it is, or at least the potential we saw or the potential we thought they had because of what we saw last year. Um, I, I kind of feel like that what we saw at the end of the ODU game does sort of portend whatever to, to imply, however you want to phrase it to Virginia actually coming out and, and being pretty sound offensively in this game. Um, I don't expect them to be perfect, but I do think that they can put up some points. Now I had Virginia win this thing in the preseason 37, excuse me, 44 to 17. Um, I would just like to go back and smack myself because that's, you know, that was, that was a, <laughs> into Dr. Bob um, Memorial matchup here. That was the wrong call. Um, it was a bad call. Um, so I, I, I think that this is, there's going to be some points scored here. I think it's going to be uh, much tighter than, uh, I had expected in the preseason. I still think Virginia gets the win, but I think it'll be, um, like I said, a tight game. Um, I I wonder if when we look back on this, if 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 you know you can talk about like you know swing games and such and such for seasons. I, I just kind of feel like we're we're watching a Virginia team that in some ways is kind of growing up, um, which seems weird considering how much experience they have, but. As we've talked about before, when you change systems and you're doing stuff differently in terms of culture and stuff, it it it, it was probably naive to think that it was going to happen smoothly in any estimation, right? Regardless of well, not well, whatever, but just smoothly. Um, I think all sides are continuing to, to learn the other. Um, and I think that one of these games, it's going to click. Now, whether it stays clicked, that's the, you know, I don't, I, I think that's up for debate, but at some point it's going to click. Um, and even if they're not there yet, I still think they're getting in that direction. So, um, give me UVA to win it. Um, I'm going to take it, uh, 33 to 28. Um, I, I, I don't Some know. 95 I just, Florida state bombs there. Oh yeah. I, I was just thinking of touchdowns and numbers and such. Wasn't even trying to go for it. Um, but yeah, um, I don't know. I just, I, I just have a feeling Virginia's going to be able to, move the ball a little better. Um, and if I, 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 what's funny about this is as good as the defense has played so far, if the offense can produce, if the offense can actually score, hold the ball, that kind of thing that you, you would, ex- one would expect that the defense would be even better. Right. And I feel like um, that's a recipe that's coming. So I think they've given up. So if you take out Billy Kemp's fumble, they've allowed like 16 points a game, like no more than 17 in a game. And I think, like, of those touchdowns, I think they've given up, like, eight scoring drives, and, like, half of them were, like, off of turnovers and stuff like that, bad situations, um, or, like, had, like, a long penalty in there or something like that. So, I mean, we'll see how that translates to Syracuse. But, yeah, I mean, give them a chance, maybe, like, put them in some good situations and see what happens. Agreed. All right. Let's keep um, one last thing on the defense, too. Yeah. Like, don't forget – the offense has, has either been behind or or the games have been tight with the exception of later in that Richmond game. Um, so the defense hasn't been able to just like take away the pass or just take, you know, just take away right. the run. They've right. had to play balance and he's still been good. So yeah, sorry. Right. I had to add that. No, that's a good point. It's a very good point. Also, you'll never find a game where it's more likely that there's like a tackle eligible play <laughs> in the history of football. This is the most likely. Yeah. Yeah. But also, Man. like, I feel, you know, I mean, you know, he's going to pull out some trick plays and stuff. Like, special I don't plays. Think, 
I think people they, there's some people that think like that's all he does, and it's like he he's not gonna do that. But like he might have he'll have something. Oh yeah, um, there there's something in there. Something and I'm sure like up. if things go their way, he's gonna want to you know put the hammer down, and that's yeah, they ran, whatever. They ran, it still counts as one loss. You move on. They ran two against Purdue, um, a flea flicker and They're a called uh, special Philly plays. special, Philly special. Yeah. Um, but other than that, their offense looks nothing like what you saw at UVA last year. So be prepared if you haven't watched it. Um, I am. Uh... Again, I still I've said this before. I'll say it again. I think the greatest troll job in the history of the world would be for him to call the the pass to the to an alignment on the first play from scrimmage. There's been a lot of good. I mean, he could call the play to, out of the end, back of the end zone with the backup quarterback. Um, <laughs> you know what? You know one that he doesn't get enough credit for, honestly. And I, I'm not trying to bag on him too much, but this might be like the last time we ever really talk about him. Yeah, I hope so. Um, God will. It, yeah, is the play when he was at BYU and they threw the ball when they really didn't need to, and he threw uh, Taysom Hill threw an interception, yeah. and that's like the only reason UVA won the game in the pouring yeah. rain, right? Yeah, it was yeah. like a downpour, and they were it was like they were up like thirteen to was it still nine raining at that point? I think it was. Yeah. It was definitely still wet. <laughs> it definitely, it definitely didn't still need wet. to that's be. It didn't need to be thrown. It was like third and four or something with like three minutes to go in a game where UVA couldn't do anything. And that was basically yeah. why they won. It was like 13 to nine or something. And they threw the ball. And then like UVA had like a one play scoring drive, <laughs> you know, cause they were on like the eight yard line or something. And someone made the decision to rotate quarterbacks at Virginia tech first year. Yeah, That's true. I've never I mean, seen anything I don't know like if Bronco it. made that decision. Well, um, yeah, that was something, man. No beef with you back. We're good. Yeah. Good luck. Good luck to Jason Beck and his future endeavors and agreed. We'll see what happens. I mean, if Bronco like gets back deal. into coaching like people are talking about, I'm sure you know, he might end up his offensive coordinator. Yeah, so. true. All right, now, if you are somebody who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, or wherever it is. They get you, you get your programs, and if you're so inclined to give us a rating or review, we appreciate it. Now, if you're somebody who's found the pod, has not given us a look at the website yet, you can check us out at CavsCorner.com. Right now, we got Dave's Cheers, Fears, and Beers. Uh, I've made it another week without calling it Bears, so I'm doing pretty well. Uh, we got the three, two, one. We got the game week stuff. Uh, Fer- Ferber, always the glutton for punishment, broke down all the missed opportunities in the game against ODU, which I was actually, I was, I thought it was a fascinating sort of read. Um, um, Houston caught up with the Gertrude kid to talk about, you know, why he committed to UVA and what it was that he liked so much. Um, of course, the take two is up there. We got video from post game the other day, all the fun stuff. So check all of that out on CavsCorner.com. What a great website. All right. Uh, I want to thank everybody out there for supporting the show. I also want to thank My Perfect Franchise for their support of the website and of the program. You can visit MyPerfectFranchise.net for more information on how you can find freedom in your next venture and discover the perfect franchise for you. <sighs> One more in the books, 477. Uh, my thanks to Dave and Ferber you graciously for your time as always I very much appreciate it so for David Spence Justin Ferber I'm Brad Franklin publisher of CapsCorner.com thanks for coming out we'll see you soon